understand as we celebrate on this Palm Sunday what difference the cross makes in our lives. Father, as we were reminded of the tragedy of the cross, we're reminded of what a mother felt as she watched her son die. The son that she'd birthed into this world that she knew was special. Father, I pray that you would help us to long for that with that same hope that we can have. God, I pray that that now you would help us to really begin to comprehend, to gaze at the cross, to comprehend the difference that the cross makes in our lives. Speak to us through the truth of your word. In Christ's name, amen. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn with me to Colossians, the second chapter. And as you're turning to that passage in Colossians, the second chapter, look at verse 13. We're reminded on this day that we do celebrate Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus would have come into Jerusalem for the last time, five days, as Tim said, before his crucifixion. We look today at the cross, and when we think about the cross, and we think about, again, the emotions that Mary would have experienced Mary, and Mary didn't understand what they did to Christ on the cross. She didn't understand the why. The disciples, his closest followers, his friends, the ones that he had spent so much time with, the ones that he had taught, didn't understand what they had done to him on the cross. I want to give you a little reality check as we gather on this, again, Palm Sunday, focusing on the cross. And here's the reality check. No one did anything to Jesus but what he did not allow them to do it. He allowed them to beat him. He allowed them to whip him. He allowed them to spit on him, to uh, jam a crown of thorns on his head. He allowed them to strip him. He allowed them to nail him to a cross, to pierce his side. He allowed them to do it to him. The question this morning as we focus on the cross is what in turn the cross did for us? What difference does the cross make in our lives? What are the implications for us in a very real personal way today as we, again, come on this day when we celebrate Christ coming into Jerusalem is Palm Sunday, but as Gail said, Jesus even at that moment was focusing on what was going to happen on the cross because he knew the difference it would make for us. We, on this day, need to understand the difference that the cross makes in our lives. Because it is profound, it is deep, it is life-changing, and we need to understand it. So let's look at the, this truth again in Colossians, the second chapter, starting with the 13th verse. Follow along with me as I read. When you are dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature... God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. 
And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Let me pick out a couple of phrases in that passage. He nailed them to the cross. He triumphed over them by the cross. Friends, the cross makes a difference. Now you need to, and let me, I'm going to need your help today, okay? Uh, So if you don't normally, you know, give a little amen or preach it brother or that's right or, you know, that, that would really, you know, that's like sick him to a dog. So, you know, this kind of sermon, we're talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. So if you're not used to do that, just help me out a little bit every now and again. Uh, just when we really make a point that just, amen, yes, let's get a little excited as we're sitting in the pew today, all right? Can you guys help me just a little bit? Just a little bit. Just this one Sunday, all right? Okay. Because this is good stuff. We're talking about the cross this morning, all right? The difference the cross, there we go. The difference that the cross makes in our lives. First, what difference does the cross make? The cross reminds us of who we were. Verse 13. First part of verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. Let's think about that. The cross reminds us of who we were. That passage reminds us that when that of who we were and who were we scripture says that we were dead in our sins now that's a pretty strong word being dead in our sins our culture doesn't really look at sin that way our culture doesn't describe it that way when our culture looks at sin they don't look at it as a violation of God's law they don't look at it as something that leads to death spiritual death separation for God for all eternity that's not really something that our culture wants to think about that ultimate separation from from God these mistakes these things that culture how does it describe sins culture describes sins such as it's human error it's moral flaw it's a public or physical failing it's a psychological immaturity it's social irresponse irresponsibility it's a character defect it's a mistake did you catch the news conference of Elliot Spitzer this week Elliot Spitzer is the now former governor of New York he was resigned this week in a scandal involving a prostitution ring they think he Quite possibly, he was spending as much as spending as much as eighty thousand dollars in an eight-month period of time, uh, engaged in this prostitution ring. And when on that news conference, in that news conference, as he's talking about what had happened, twice he re- repeated a phrase describing his indiscretion. And this is the way he described it. He said, "I had a private failing." That's an understatement. Yes, it was a private failing, but it's so much more. Our sin is so much more than a private failing on our part. Scripture says, we friends, who, are we, who were we? We were dead in our sins, dead in our sinful nature. Like Elliot, yes, we are sinners. We have, at times, private failings. We are It's so much more than that. We are dead in our sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our sin, our self-will, our uh, violation of God's word, all of it is sin. And Scripture says, you know, because, you know, our world doesn't uh, necessarily know all that's written in Scripture. And so there are things that are sin that 
Romans tells us that there is a law written on our hearts, that there is a consciousness that we have. And when we violate those things that we know inherently are right or wrong, and when we violate that, that that is sin. James tells us that, that, that he who knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So sin is both things that, that I, if I uh, break the Ten Commandments, most of us know most of those. Elliot broke one of those. So there's, there's the big ones we think of. They're big. They're all the same, really. And but, So we have the list that we sometimes break that's sin. We also have this consciousness that God has written on our hearts, this law un, in the, ourselves. And when we break that, that's sin. And James tells us even when we know good things and we don't do those things, it is sin. Friends, who were we? The cross reminds us that we were all sinners. We're all guilty. The cross cross reminds us this morning as we gaze on it, as we focus on it, it reminds us of who we were. And so that's the bad news. Okay, let's spend the bulk of our time talking about the good stuff. And here's the good news. The good news is not only does the cross remind us of who we were, the cross reminds us who we are. Look again at verse 13. Let's look at the second part of verse 13. Second part of verse 13, Paul writes to us, God made you, first church, alive with Christ. That'd be a good place for an amen. 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 He forgave us all our sins. Who are we? We were in sin. We were sinners. Who are we? We are alive with Christ. That's exciting. Who we are. Paul uh, writes, we've been made alive with Christ. Do you remember what the mockers that were gathered there when Christ was on the cross? They said something to this effect. They said, you saved, your, you saved other people. Now why don't you save yourself? Or how come you can't save yourself now? There's some really profound truth in that statement. When we think about that Jesus did save others, Jesus saved us. And because he chose to save us, again, and we're not talking about what someone else did to Jesus. We're talking about what Jesus allowed to happen by the cross. And so when we think about the cross, we focus on the cross. Jesus made a conscious decision that he would save us. And when he made a decision to save us, what that res- the result was, he could not save himself. Because he chose to die for us. And so even though they were mocking Jesus, they really said something that is very true. That Jesus Christ could not save others and save himself. But we've been made alive with Christ. One of my favorite verses, a verse I've uh, quoted many times. John 10.10. Jesus came. He said, I have come that you may have life and life to the full, life more abundantly. We have been made alive with Christ. And that phrase in the Greek, when it says that you've been, we've been made alive with Christ, what it means is something that is raised from the dead. We were dead in our sins, dead in our transgressions. We have been made alive. We have been raised up with him. We, our sins, died with him on the cross. And because we are with Christ, we don't have to die. We have been made alive. We have been forgiven. 
Great segue into the next point. Not only are we alive with Christ, Scripture tells us in verse 13, the second part of it, that we are forgiven. Forgiven. And notice what it says. It doesn't say that we're just, some things are forgiven. It says that all, it's a great word, all of our sins have been forgiven. You got the King James says, all of our transgressions, all of them have been forgiven. We look at Christ on the cross. We understand that on the cross, he took upon himself our sin. He became, Scripture says, sin for us. For a long time, I didn't understand when Jesus was on the cross. This phrase that's recorded in Scripture, it says that Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For a long time, I didn't understand that until I understood that in that moment on the cross, when Jesus Christ took upon himself our sin, in that moment, this Unity that Christ had had with the Heavenly Father since before time began. God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, this Trinity, this wonderful unity they had. And they were there, there even before the very foundations of this world. They were together. And now in this moment when Christ becomes sin, our Holy Heavenly Father in that moment had to turn away from Him. Because our righteous, holy God cannot associate himself with sin. And so when Christ became, literally, our sin, when he took upon himself our sin, that, at that moment, that was the most horrific thing that Christ endured, was not nails, was not being pierced, was not thorns, was not the whipping, not all of that. The most horrific thing was in that moment to be separated from his heavenly Father that he had been in unity with since before the foundations of this earth. And he cries out in his humanity, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He became sin for us. So the sinless, perfect Jesus paid for sin that he had not committed he became, he was innocent. He had no debt of sin. But he took my debt on him and paid that debt. And he paid all, all of ours. Remember one time we were, the family and I in Milltown, we had gone to this restaurant and we had greeted a family from the church and we had said hi and talked for a few moments. Then we'd gone and sat down and we had a great meal at this uh, restaurant and we were waiting around and we were talking and visiting and it just seemed like it took forever to get the bill. And so I finally uh, asked the, our waitress, I said, uh, can you give us our bill? We're ready to go. And she said, well, no, um, it's already been paid for. I said, it's been paid for. She said, yeah, there was a couple over there that asked for your bill and they paid for it. And I looked over to where the couple was from the church and they were gone. And I'm, you, you kind of feel helpless. You know, you can't go over there and argue with them. Hey, no, I want to pay for my own bill. You can't, there's, you have no recourse. It's already been paid. The same thing's been done for us. The debt has been paid. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter if we want it or not. It doesn't matter if we, it, 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 it's been paid. And we can now try to, to go through life and, 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 
you know, and, and act like, you know, we still got to pay this debt. And we can go through life like that. But the reality is, what Jesus Christ did for us, who are we? We are forgiven. The debt has been paid. Grace has paid our bill. The cross reminds us that we're forgiven. The scripture says in Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I love what Micah the prophet looking forward. He wrote this before Christ came. Micah the prophet looking forward to Jesus says this in Micah 7, verses, sorry, verse 18. Again, looking forward. He's saying this in a prophetic way. Who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. And we understand that he has had compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. And we understand that he has trampled them underfoot. And that he has hurled them into the depths of the sea And as Lon Solomon says, and he put up a sign, no fishing allowed. (laughs) He's hurled it into the sea. And we don't need to go there anymore. We have been forgiven. It's who we are. We are alive with Christ. We have been raised from the dead. We are alive with Christ because of the cross. We are forgiven because of the cross. The cross also reminds us what we don't have to be. Look at verse 14. It says, Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. That phrase that is translated the written code from the Greek is actually a term from business that people would have understood in their day. It was actually a note of indebtedness. It's a list of things that you owe someone else. And so he says he's canceled the written code. Crystal's not here, is she? She's not. Okay, just want to make sure. Sometimes she kind of skips around. Okay. Now just between us, all right? I can trust you, right? All right, let's talk for a minute, okay? Now, for those of you who are married, you understand what I'm saying. Our spouses carry around a list. And when you don't take out the trash like you're supposed to, because that's on your, you know, it's part of your responsibilities, when you don't take out the trash in a timely fashion, it gets written down on the list. When you uh, don't do something that you said you're going to do, that gets written down on the list. When you come in late several nights in a row, and uh, you get that gets written down on the list. When you confuse her birthday when you're with your sister's birthday because they're two days apart and that seems very logical it's a simple error that gets written down on the list and then at some future point when we never know when it's going to happen but at that future point when some small infraction having nothing to do with the entire list but that small infraction causes her head to spin around and to blow off the top of it. And, and you, then you start talking about the whole list. <laughs> now, how the one small infraction is related to the entire list, I don't know how that works. Yeah. 
but, but you have all been there, men, haven't you? The list is there. There is a creation of a list that's always there. And all of us have a list that we have created. A list of our sins, a list of our transgressions, a list of things that where we have blown it and messed up and willfully done things. And, and there is a list that all of us have. And what Jesus, or what Paul says here about Jesus and what happens is, it says that he has canceled the written code. And what did he do? He took our list and it says that he nailed it to the cross. He took our list for us. The list of all the little things and the big things, he took our list who are we? We don't have to be. What does it cross remind us of? It reminds us that we don't have to be perfect. There is one person that lived in this world that lived a perfect life. And it's none of us. Thankfully, even though we have a list, and every one of us have, has a list, thankfully, the scripture does not say that the penalty for our sin is having to attend church. It doesn't say the penalty for our sin is having to pay a tithe. It doesn't say the penalty for our sin is having to help build a habitat house or help to feed the poor. There's not a list of things we have to do. It says the, the, the penalty for our sin is death, and Jesus Christ took our list, and when he was nailed to the cross, he nailed our list to the cross. We don't have to be perfect. That should be a wonderful, freeing revelation today that we don't have to earn our way into heaven. Unfortunately, some of us, at times, we want to take our list. And all of us have a list. We want to take that list of all the things we've done wrong and we think, and our world thinks this way, that if, if I just do enough good things, and if I just have enough good things on this other list, then I get to erase things on the bad list. And that when I get to heaven, I'm standing in front of the pearly gates and St. Peter there. That if I've got enough stuff that I've erased because of all the good stuff on this list over here, that I'm going to get in. But that's not the way it works. The way it works is this. We have a list. And we choose what to do with the list. We get to choose. And what Jesus says is, what the cross reminds us of, Jesus says, let me take your list and let me pay the penalty for you. The penalty is death. I will pay the penalty for you, Jesus says. And he takes the list and he nails it to the cross. And he writes, paid in full. That's what Jesus said. That's what the cross reminds us of, that none of us have to be perfect. He will take our sin because he was perfect. The last thing that the cross reminds us of this morning, we find in verse 15, and it is that the cross reminds us of who he is. The cross reminds us who Jesus is. And in verse 15 it says, and having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Imagine the scene in hell. There's Satan and his demon hordes gathered around him, watching in much the same way all of us might sit around watching a Super Bowl game party kind of atmosphere and there they're watching Jesus Christ being led up that 
hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull, the place where Jesus was to be crucified. And they look at his bleeding back and the thorns on his brow and they see the way he's being mocked and and it's a celebratory environment and then when they lay Jesus down and they pound those nails through his wrist and through his feet and they prop him up on that cross and they see him wince in pain the glee and the excitement in the air is, is 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 poignant and then they hear him utter those words my God my God why have you forsaken me And Satan and his demon hordes just are beside themselves. The day has come. The Son of God is dead. We are victorious. They thought that they had arranged and they had manipulated the Roman government of the day. That they had had, had formed a, a, a... partnership within the ranks of the Jewish high hierarchy, the religious leaders, such had never been formed before. You've got the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians and the priests and the high priest himself, all of them agreeing on something. It'd be like all of our Congress and the Supreme Court and the President and Senate and House all agreeing on something. It just doesn't happen, but they have made it happen, and now all of them together, and then they've got the crowd involved, and so everybody wants Jesus dead, and the demons and Satan is so excited, ecstatic. But what does this scripture remind us of? That where Satan thought that he'd worked his plan to perfection. It says the powers and the authorities of this world have been conquered by Christ. And the greatest Paul Harvey moment in all of history. The rest of the story is, yes, there's a cross, there's a Friday, but what? Sunday's coming. The resurrection is coming. The cross reminds us that he is victorious. He is the victor. The cross reminds us of that. And that's the rest of the story. That's what the scripture says. He, um, that he triumphed over them by these powers and the authorities of this world, both the physical and the spiritual. He defeated them, triumphed over them by the cross. When Paul uses this terminology that he triumphed over them by the cross, it was a phrase that they would have understood in their day. It was a phrase that referred, it was, a, it was something that the Romans did when a conquering general came back to Rome after he'd gone out to some province and and quelled a revolt or destroyed some invading army that general would come back leading that processional that triumphant processional that general would come into the city and just behind that that conquering general would be the his armies and they would be singing hymns and songs that celebrated this this victory just behind them would have been the those that had been vanquished, the, the, the rest of the soldiers, now slaves that were left from that army that they had destroyed. And then just behind them would have been all the spoils of the war. If you go to this day to Rome, there's an arch in Rome, outside of Rome. And that arch is called the Arch of Titus. The Arch of Titus has a relief on the on the top of the arch, and that, uh, that, that relief at the top of the arch commemorates the sacking and destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. And you see the conquering Roman soldiers carrying the, 
the uh, multi-tiered lampstand and some of the, the things that you would recognize out of the temple in Jerusalem and that we see them carrying it literally to this day. You can go to Rome and see it. Go on the internet, you can see it to this day. That's what Paul is referring to, this triumphal entry into the city. The vanquisher is coming. And what he says is that Jesus Christ has triumphed over them by the cross. He comes in leading his, those he has vanquished, the powers, the authorities of, this, of, the day that, that, of the day, and he's leading them in victorious. And so we think about who is Jesus? What does the cross remind us of? The cross reminds us that he has triumphed, that he is the victor. He has triumphed over sin, triumphed over death, triumphed over the powers and the authorities, both physical and spiritual, in this world. The cross reminds us of who Jesus is. And if he is the victor, then my friend, we are the victor. Because we're on his team, aren't we? Few, probably not many of you, but a few of you probably, or at least if you didn't watch the game, you might have caught the result on ESPN. Did you know the Giants were in the Super Bowl this year? I know it kind of got boring after the Packers lost. But for a few of you, you probably watched the game. And you watched the Giants defeat the Patriots. Nobody thought the Patriots could lose. The Giants beat them. There are 45 people on the uh, players on the active squad on game day. Now there's more, but they have to name which ones are going to be active that day. 45 are on the active game day squad. The Giants won the Super Bowl. I don't know if you, I'm sure a lot of you know this. When you win the Super Bowl, you receive a Super Bowl wing, ring. The winning team gets a ring. That ring is valued, uh, some of the later ones in recent uh, years, have been valued at over $20,000. That's a pretty nice little gift to the winners. You know there's not 45 rings that are given? There's as many as 150 rings that are given. You know Why? Because every coach gets a ring. Every person that works in the front office gets a ring. Everybody that's on the practice squad gets a ring. Everybody that maybe played on the team at the beginning of the year but didn't finish with the team gets a ring. Everybody that was traded to other teams gets a ring. The guy even that updates the website for the Giants gets a ring. Now, a lot of those people never set foot out on the field, but they still get a ring. Why? Because they are are, are considered part of the winning team. None of us did anything to pay for our sin. None of us did anything having anything to do with this cross. We didn't, we didn't earn it. We didn't suffer. We didn't do anything. But friends, because we're on the team, we get a ring. And that ring gets us into heaven with God, into, into eternity, and it makes a difference. We're not just victors in a life to come. We are victors now. The enemy has been defeated right here and now in this life. We don't have to walk around defeated. We are victorious now. John, Jesus talking in John 16, 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's our Savior. 
That's what the cross reminds me of. I hope the cross reminds you today that you are victorious. He overcame the world. You can overcome the world as well. When we look at this cross, it's a picture of horrific pain and suffering. Jesus Christ put himself in our place and let our sins be counted as his own. Another prophet, the prophet Isaiah, looking forward to what Jesus did on the cross, wrote these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Isaiah 53 and allow them, as we conclude, to paint a graphic picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Let it remind us today of what he did when he became our sin and took our sin on that cross. Isaiah 53, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people he was stricken. By his knowledge my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors transgressors for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors that's what he did that's what he did for you and that's what he did for me the cross reminds us that we are sinners that we were sinners but that we have been made alive with Christ Reminds us of who we are and we are forgiven. The cross reminds us that we don't have to be perfect. Thank God we don't have to be perfect. He nailed our list, our imperfections to the cross. The cross reminds us that he was victorious. The cross reminds us that we are victorious. He put the powers of this world in their place and we in turn as part of the winning team with a Super Bowl ring on our finger can be victorious as well in this life. So that's what the Christ did for us. And let me ask you just a very simple question and I'm done. That's what the Christ did for you. For me. Now my friend, what will you do with the cross? What will you do with the cross? Let's stand. Heavenly Father, God, we're reminded of the difference that the cross makes. And Father, I pray now that you would help us to clearly understand that we cannot merely by intellectual assent say that yes I believe that Jesus is the son of God that he died for my sins it's not enough to just think that and to know that intellectually Father I pray that you would help us today to do something with the cross to by faith believe that that cross makes a difference for us in our lives personally We need to personally make a decision of what we will do with that cross. 
And Father, as we sing this concluding song, I pray that if there's anyone here today that is not in a personal, specific way sought the forgiveness of their sins by faith in what Jesus Christ has done for them on the cross, that today they would do that. I pray that you would remind us that we can be forgiven. We can be made alive with your son. Remind us of that and help us to respond to the cross. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. I hope today that that is your prayer. That that, you can go out of here singing that. That you have come, that you have brought your sin before him. Because we don't need to take it back. We don't need to take our list with us. We need to leave it right here today. And you don't have to come and come forward to an altar to do that. You can do that right where you are. If you have done that, however, we would love to know. We would love to know how to help you. Uh, and so if you could let us know that, whether tell one of us, uh, part of the pastoral staff, Gail, or anybody up here would love to hear that. We'd love to walk beside you and help you in whatever way we can. As you take that bulletin that you received today, there's a tear-off on the right side. There's a place on there to indicate that today that you've made that decision. You could leave that with an usher. You could drop it in this little box in the back. There's boxes in the back. Leave it somewhere. We'd love to know. So we'd be praying for you and help you in whatever way we can to help you to grow in this life in Christ because you are victorious. You can be a victor, and we'd love to help you with that. So as you go from here, nobody needs to go down. Nobody needs to go depressed. The cross, yes, we have talked about the cross. Yes, we talked about Friday, but guess what? Sundays are coming, okay? So next Sunday morning, we're going to celebrate the resurrection. I hope you'll come. I hope you'll celebrate with us. Bring somebody with you. Uh, And so as you leave here, go just understanding the difference that the cross makes in your life and the lives of people around you if we'll just share that wonderful truth. God bless you as you go, as we go out worshiping.